Hey, moms and dads. This episode is kid-friendly. This episode is kid-friendly. For creatures like me. Who are you <laughs> When you're alive, life can be fun. Go to the forest where the shadows do run. They're coming soon. They can hear you. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. And as you just heard, this is a kid-friendly episode. This episode's a little bit different. We just read a couple of stories from some spooky children's books. So there won't be any chitter-chatter in between. Like we said, kid-friendly. Okay, so the first story is from Out to Get You, 13 Tales of Weirdness and Woe by Josh Allen and illustrated by Sarah J. Coleman. This story is called Crossing. Owen hunched forward and tightened his backpack straps. Today was the day. He could feel it. He was finally going to beat his sister, Hannah, in their weekly race. Each Monday, on their way to school, he and Hannah would tow a sidewalk crack at the bottom of Mill Hollow Hill, ready themselves, and count down. Three, two, one, go. And then, like fired cannonballs, they'd take off. They'd churn their legs, pump their arms, and before they'd reach the top of the hill, some hundred yards ahead, they would both be huffing and panting. But always, always, Hannah would win. Just barely. It isn't fair, Owen sometimes thought. Hannah was one year and 18 days older than him, and that made her one year and 18 days stronger. One year and 18 days bigger. One year and 18 days faster. And every Monday, for years, when she crossed that finish line, marked by one of those yellow and black school crossing signs, a fraction of a second before him, she chanted the same exact thing. Girls always win, she'd say. Girls always win. The crossing line at the finish line seemed to agree with her. There were two children on it, a girl and a boy, walking in a crosswalk, and a girl always just slightly in front of the boy, always a few steps faster, always coming in first, just like him and Hannah. But lately, things had been changing. He'd been gaining on Hannah, losing to her by less and less each week. He'd been getting faster and was inching his way to a win. His time was coming. He could feel it. I can do it today, Owen thought as he and Hannah towed the line and started their countdown. Three, Owen's eyes narrowed. Two, he felt a kind of electricity in his arms and legs. One, he took in a breath and held it. Go! He burst off the sidewalk crack perfectly, getting a quicker start than Hannah. He He focused on the finish line, the boy and the girl in the yellow diamond sign. Something about those children pulled at Owen's eyes for a second. The sign felt different, wrong even. But Owen pushed the distraction aside and he told himself, go faster, faster. He fought through burning in his lungs and the aches in his legs. He focused himself. Still, Hannah crept alongside him, and his stomach sank. The sign was just 20 yards away, but Hannah sprang forward and edged ahead. 
Come on, Owen thought, trying to catch her. Go, go, go. But with only a few steps left, Hannah was definitely in front. Not by much, just a few inches. It's her longer legs, Owen thought. Her one year and 18 days longer legs, taking bigger steps. They flew past the sun. Again, something about the boy and the girl felt off, making Owen's skin tingle. But the race was over. He had lost by inches. He stopped, hunched forward, and rested his hands on his knees. Girls always win, Hannah chanted through her panting breaths. Girls always win. Wait a second, Owen thought, and goosebumps rose up his arms. He trudged back to the finish line. He stopped beside the sign's metal pole and looked up. No way, he thought. Because the two children in the sign, the girl and the boy, were not where they were supposed to be. The girl was not in front. Owen blinked and looked again, and it was true. The girl was not in front. The boy was. Owen's skin buzzed. Despite panting and sweating from the race, he felt cold all of a sudden. Hannah, come look at this sign, he said. Something strange. Oh, little brother, Hannah said. There's nothing strange. I won, as usual. She blew her fingernails and polished them on the front of her shirt. Owen ignored her. He tried to put his most recent loss out of his head because something was definitely up. Definitely. I mean it, he waved back at Hannah. Come look at this. Hannah sidled up next to him. Isn't that girl usually in front of the boy? He pointed out. Hannah shrugged. Well, she's behind him now. See? He waited for Hannah to say something. She looked from him to the sign and back to him. What's your point? She finally said. Owen sighed. My point, he lowered his voice, is that the sign has changed. Changed? She looked at the sign again. You get weirder every day, little brother. But the buzzing on Owen's skin quickened. His heart thudded. Owen tried to call up a picture of the sign from his memory. He passed it hundreds of times, maybe thousands. And the girl had always been in front of the boy. Hadn't she? That was what bothered him about the sign all these years. The girl, always in the front, like Hannah. Could he have been wrong about the sign all this time? So the city put up a new sign, Hannah said. Big deal. Can we go now? Hannah let out a frustrated puff of air. If I miss another history quiz, mom will kill me, Owen. She'll just kill me. But, Owen said, and then a car stopped in the crosswalk. The driver, an older woman in a bathrobe and hair curlers, waved them across. Hannah stepped into the street. Owen followed reluctantly, but he turned to look at the sign once more. One of its bottom corners was slightly bent and a little crack ran through the yellow and black paint. A small divot pockmarked the top of the sign like it had been hit by a rock. Owen shook his head. Hannah had said the sign was new, but the cracks and pockmarks and bent corner told Owen the truth. This sign was old. At dinner, Owen chewed his burrito slowly. You're quiet, his mother said. I'm thinking, he answered. He considered telling her about the sign, asking her which kid was supposed to be in the front of the school crossing sign, the boy or the girl, but he didn't want to bring it up again in front of Hannah. She'd tell him he was acting crazy, and she might even tell their parents that she'd beaten him yet again that morning. So he decided to stay silent. Maybe Hannah was right after all, and the sign had been replaced. Not with a new sign, but with an old sign, a recycled one. But would the city have done that? Or maybe something was happening, something strange. Maybe that boy now in front was kind of a prediction or a premonition. Yeah, that's the word, a premonition of things to come, of him finally winning. He shook his head and gulped down his milk. 
No, he told himself. That's crazy. More likely, he'd just been wrong about the sign for years. Probably the boy had always been walking in front, and he'd been seeing it wrong all this time. That was all. Owen closed his eyes. He tried picturing the sign, going back to his memories to get a clear view of it. But everything felt fuzzy, confused. Which kid was supposed to be in the front of the school crossing sign? The boy? The girl? Thinking about it, Owen could see it both ways. The next morning, Owen hooked his thumbs in his backpack straps and walked quickly up Mill Hollow Hill. Hey, wait up, Hannah said as Owen pulled away. It's not a race day, you know. At the top of the hill, Owen stopped. In the sign, the girl was back in front of the boy. They had switched again. It couldn't be. Hannah, Owen said, think hard. Is this what we saw on the sign yesterday? You've got to be kidding me, Hannah said. Owen spoke low and tried to make his voice sound serious. I think this sign keeps changing, Owen said. Hannah rolled her eyes. Doesn't that bother you? Hannah shrugged. She didn't even look at the sign. Your mind's playing tricks on you, Owen. That's all. It's just a street sign. So, no, it doesn't bother me. What does bother me is missing history quizzes. Hannah stepped off the curb and crossed the street. But Owen wasn't sure of it now. He wasn't seeing things wrong or remembering them wrong. Those two children in the faded, flaking sign, that boy, that girl, they could move. For the rest of the week, each time Owen passed the sign, his skin tingled. He didn't know if the sign was trying to give him prediction or a premonition or something else altogether, but the sign did seem to be giving off some kind of radiation, like a beacon signaling him. Each time he passed it, he took a mental picture of what he saw. On Wednesday, the girl was in front, but the book she usually carried was on the ground next to her. Her head was bent, and she seemed to be reaching for it. On Thursday, the book was back in her hands, but now she was behind the boy. And on Friday, the boy was holding the book. Each day, the sign made some small change, and each day, Hannah refused to talk about it. It's a stupid sign, Owen, she said, throwing her hands up the last time he'd mentioned it. No matter how much he begged, Owen couldn't get her to look at the sign. He'd begun to wonder if anyone looked at it besides him. The next Monday, he towed the sidewalk crack next to Hannah. He tried to put the sign out of his head, but he couldn't help peering at it, a hundred yards away. He couldn't make out the boy and the girl from so far away, so he couldn't see how they'd changed this time. While he was squinting ahead, Hannah started the countdown. Three, two, one, go! She burst ahead of him from the start. No, he thought, not again. He hadn't been ready. He'd been so distracted by the sign that he'd forgotten to tighten his backpack straps, so he ran and his backpack flumped on his shoulders. He churned his legs, pumped his arms, but it was no use. He never even got close to Hannah. She'd beaten him by at least five steps. Instead of running hard through the finish, Owen slowed and stopped beneath the sign. He slid his backpack off his shoulders and dropped to the sidewalk. The boy and the girl were back to normal. The girl in front, the boy a few steps behind. The sign was ordinary, regular. This again, Hannah said. Owen, you're imagining things. I'm not. Owen shook his head. But you can go on ahead. Go take your history quiz. Owen touched the sign's cool metal pole. Whatever, Hannah said. Oh, and by the way, girls always win. She stepped off the curb and crossed the street. When she was far enough away, Owen spoke. I see you, he said to the boy and girl. I know you're in there. He waited. The sign did nothing. Move, he said. But the sign was just a sign. Come on, move. Nothing happened. What are you? The late bell rang. Owen sighed and picked up his backpack. He took two steps, turned, and peered one last time. He choked on his breath. They moved. The boy and the girl. 
right as he'd been standing there. The girl was hunched in a low corner, now squatting, and the boy stood behind her. Their arms seemed to be reaching out. To him. You want something? Owen said, moving back to the sign. Is that it? You're trapped in there? And there's something you need? Owen raised up on his toes. He stretched one arm. The sign was just within reach, but before he touched one of the girl's outstretched arms, he thought that maybe he shouldn't. For a week, the sign had been beckoning him. It had started when it had shown the boy in the front. Even now, he felt the sign coaxing him nearer and nearer. Why? He couldn't stop himself. He had to touch the sign. It was all so strange, so impossible. He just had to. So pushing past his fear, he reached up and pressed his fingers to the girl's tiny, reaching hand. At once, the world spun and twisted, his ears filled with a windy, whooshing sound, colors blurred, and for a moment, Owen struggled to breathe. Everything tottered from side to side. Then, his world turned yellow and black. After school, Hannah passed the sign on her way home. She waited for Owen by the flagpole, like always, but he hadn't shown up. Maybe he ditched her, still upset about losing that morning. She didn't even glance up at the sign as she strolled by it even though Owen had been completely obsessed with it lately. Why should she? It was just a dumb sign. But if she had looked, here's what she would have seen. Three children pacing through the crosswalk, a girl and two boys. One of the boys was shinier than the other two children, newer, as if he had been painted on it just that morning. And it was this boy, glossy and new, who was out in front of the other two children, finally coming in first. And this story comes from Short and Shivery, 30 Chilling Tales, retold by Robert D. Sansochi. This story is titled Lavender. Not so long ago, two college freshmen were driving along a road one evening on their way back to a dance at a neighboring women's college. Bill, who owned the sleek red convertible, was driving slowly because the road was unfamiliar. Eric, who had a road map unfolded over his lap, said, We're sure not on the highway any longer. We've made a wrong turn back there somewhere. You are one lousy navigator, laughed Bill. But what the heck, we're taking the scenic route. Yeah, Eric responded, not too enthusiastically. But I'd just as soon get off this road before it gets too dark. He looked nervously out the car window at the shadows gathering under the trees on either side of the road. Hold on, cried Bill, slamming his foot on the brake. I think our luck just changed for the better. He pointed through the windshield to where a slim young woman stood by the side of the road, flagging them down. In the half-light of evening, they could see she was wearing an old-fashioned lavender dress. Since so many of the women they knew wore old-style clothes they had bought at a thrift shop or antique stores, the young men saw nothing unusual in the way the girl dressed. Bill brought the car to a halt on the dusty shoulder of the road. Need a lift? He called to the attractive young woman. I'm going to a dance at Gabriel College, she answered. I'd appreciate a ride. We're going there ourselves, said Bill. Why don't you hop in and come with us? I believe I will, she said and smiled, climbing into the back seat of the car, while Eric held the door open for her. He was struck by how pale her face was and how cold her hand felt when it brushed his. There was a faint fragrance of lavender that clung to her, which reminded Eric of his grandmother. But all he said was, we're lost. I'm the world's worst navigator. That's easily fixed enough, their passenger said. Then she gave them careful instructions that soon guided them back to the main highway. 
The three young people talked and joked all the way to Gabriel College. Eric forgot his uneasiness and cracked awful jokes that had Bill groaning. But the young woman in the back seat laughed as though he was the world's greatest comedian. As they were pulling into the parking lot at the college, Bill suddenly said, Say, we don't even know your name. Oh, she laughed. Just call me Lavender, since that's my favorite color. Then she pushed open the door of the car and climbed out. The music of drums and guitars thrummed across the parking lot. Hurry, she pleaded, holding a hand out to Bill and Eric. I don't want to miss a moment of this night. Bill took her right hand and Eric her left. The three of them ran like small children toward the bright lights and loud music. Inside, while Eric watched Lavender dance with Bill, he thought, I could fall in love with someone like her. And then he felt himself blushing because he'd never felt that way about anyone before. And, he reminded himself, you don't even know her name. But the mystery that clung to her like the fragrance of lavender only made her seem that much more alluring. Then it struck him, I'm already in love with her. Watching Bill on the dance floor with the beautiful lavender-gowned girl, he guessed that Bill was falling in love with her too. How he would sort this out with his best friend was anybody's guess. But Lavender? She was worth it. Of that, he had no doubt. When the dance ended, Bill suggested they go someplace for coffee. But the girl only said, I have to go home. To Eric, she sounded very, very tired. Bill protested this, but she simply said, please, I have to go home. Something in her voice left no room for a further argument. As they crossed the parking lot, she began to shiver. Eric gallantly gave her his sports coat, and she gratefully wrapped it around her shoulders. But she seemed to shiver just as much. He was tempted to put his arm around her, but something about her made him hold back. For all, he cursed himself for being a shy fool. It was very late when they left the highway and started up the side road where they had first met Lavender. With an odd, faraway sound in her voice, she directed them to a rundown shack way at the end of a rutted dirt road. There was a single light burning in one window. When Eric and Bill offered to walk her to her door, she said quickly, No, I have to go alone. Again, the tone of her voice stopped their objections cold. She waved once, a grateful lavender shadow in the mingled moonlight and starlight, then hurried toward the lighted window like a moth drawn to a flame. With a sigh, Bill popped the car into reverse and headed back down the driveway. It wasn't until they were almost back on their own campus that Eric said, Hey, she never gave me back my jacket. I wondered when you noticed, chuckled Bill. Why didn't you say something? Eric demanded. Don't worry, laughed Bill. This gives us an excuse to go back tomorrow, find out her real name, and get to know our mysterious Lavender better. Oh, yeah said Eric, eager for a chance to see the young woman again. Shortly after noon the next day, Bill and Eric drove up to the cabin at the end of the rutted road. They had to knock several times before a very old woman in a faded house dress answered. She glanced from one to the other with watery eyes. We've, um, come to see a young lady who calls herself Lavender, Bill explained. The old woman shook her head. I don't know anyone named Lavender, she said. But when Eric described the young woman they had met on the road the evening before, she suddenly pressed trembling fingers to her mouth and whispered, That was Lily. So where is she? Bill wanted to know. 
She's been dead for many years, said the old woman, wiping a tear away from her eye. Lily was my daughter, but she died in a car accident on her way to a dance. She's buried in the cemetery two miles down the road. The woman gave a sigh and dabbed at her eye with a crumpled Kleenex. You're not the first to see her. She often tries to come home. I'll leave a light burning all night, every night, just hoping some night she'll make it all the way back to me. But that's never happened. But, Eric started to say, Bill grabbed him by the arm and steered him back to the car. When he had pushed his friend into the front seat and started the engine, Bill said, Don't you see? It's a joke. She doesn't want to see us anymore. So she put the old woman up to telling that story. We've been given the brush off, so let's forget the whole thing. But my coat, you needed a new one anyway, said Bill. I'm not going back to that dump ever again. I know when I've been had. They drove for a while in silence. Suddenly, Eric shouted, stop, pull over. Startled, Bill did as his friend said, bringing the car to a halt outside the walls of a small country cemetery. Before Bill could stop him, Eric had leapt out of the car and run through the rusted iron gates that hung ajar. With a soft curse, Bill shut off the engine and climbed out. He caught up with Eric as his friend was walking up and down rows of gravestones, reading each. Abruptly, Eric stopped, pointing at a small white gravestone. What? Bill began, but he fell silent. Engraved on the tombstone was a name, Lily Abbott. The dates inscribed showed that the woman had died more than 30 years before. Lying neatly folded on the grass below the stone was Eric's sports coat. It's a trick, Bill said weakly, but neither one of them believed it. Thank y'all so much for listening with your kiddos and sharing a little bit of the spooky season with them. Hopefully you like to kick off to the 13 nights of Halloween. Thanks so much for listening and supporting us. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.